von Wegen mit Andy Teichmann. Hallo, hier ist Andi Teichmann, ihr hört Berlin FM, das ist von wegen und mein Gast heute im Studio ist Jay. Jay Ahern. Ahern, I was wondering to pronounce it right. It's a little tricky sometimes. Also known uh, beside one million other names as the modular cowboy. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I was super curious. Because I guess I, you must be one of the persons in this show with the most music to, <laughs> to select of. <laughs> I was really curious what to hear. Definitely. I think that um, when, and thanks for very, very much for having me on, um, when you approached and you said that you wanted me to bring some music um, I, and that you wanted to talk about it, I thought that it's good to bring an honest selection of stuff, which, you know, some of those things are, like this right now by Gun Club uh, is very much something from me being a kid and hearing something through the radio that uh, really affected me, but also very much became a theme for a lot of the music I like later on, which is sort of haunted, mm -hmm. very rhythmic. And growing up in Florida, um, I had the luxury of a really good community radio station, which is still going, uh, called uh, 88.5 WMNF. And that began my musical education. They had close connections with New York, and this is where I first heard stuff like this, Liquid Liquid.
I'm just realizing where the cowbell comes from. The <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. FA records. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I think this kind of uh, wrote a blueprint. And also just as a, as a young kid, hearing everything from the gun club to like, you know, liquid, liquid. And later on, we'll hear ESG. You know, that was, that was quite a musical education for me. And also music at that point was so kind of free and unhinged in a way. Um, also... You know, it's very easy to come on radio shows and play things by like, you know, Joy Division or New Order. But for me, it Martin Hannett's production, and that's kind of was definitely a theme within the New York music of the time, even in Clubland, was dub was a big thing. And Martin Hannett, from a UK perspective, brought that into ESG. You see, I was gonna see my Just, uh, just very fortunate to hear all this growing up, and um, these were like kind of messages from outer space in a way. And it made me want to understand different cities and what was going on at the time, because you know, Florida, we had this great radio station, but there wasn't a lot going on. It was almost like growing up in the country. So you would get a, a signal from LA with something like Gun Club, and then you were getting these amazing things from New York. And also at a time where disco had kind of died in the States, except in a post-punk context. Mm -hmm. By the way, how, how did you come to the States? Because you... 
grew up in Ireland, no? Actually, my family's Irish. And um, so basically, um, I spent half uh, the early years of my life in the States. And I also had the, uh, <laughs> the pleasure, or not so much the pleasure, of going to high school in the States, which is right. a tough environment. And I think by the end of that, I decided that I wanted to go back to Europe. So I went to London to study and, you know, thus relying on my Irish passport to uh, remain. But uh, I was always fascinated with New York. I uh, didn't decide to go to university there, but I think my absolute favorite um, artist of, I don't know, the late 70s, 80s, uh, coming from New York with Ar Arthur Russell. And I think also a really gifted gentleman was Walter Gibbons. And um, I think that this dub that Walter Gibbons did of one of, uh, of, Let's, Going, of Let's Go Swimming is just kind of expresses that freedom of the time there wasn't a format and I don't know it just somehow touched and it's good for swimming let's go swimming Brave music, I think, and stands the test of time really well. 
I think also it was a time where, yeah, there was a format for the dance floor, as it were, but um, there was also still that idea of, I don't know, that New York experimentation was going on. This, however, is the sound of Miami. And a little salute to those friends I went to high school with who stayed, because obviously Miami developed its own sound. Um, aside from Miami bass in the 80s, we saw the emergence of house music. Danny Teneglia was down there. This was after I left. Um, and we had Funky Green Dogs and The Sound of Merc. Perfectly fitting to the like your selection shows like kind of perfect flow into house music from this kind of no wave, yeah. how you call it, post punk thing, and like a perfect mix so far. Thanks. I mean, for me, it's uh, I mean, I did have uh, some good help with selections before we started this out. <laughs> There was a lot of music to distill it all in, in an hour, it's kind of uh, tricky, but. I think the narrative I'm going for is I, I've always been attracted to music that's got kind of a darkness, has got a force from the sort of bottom end, um, for sure, and has a kind of sex in it. Everything from sex beat to the gun club to this. Mm -hmm. I mean, the diva vocals is maybe something I wouldn't reach for now, but, and it is a shame that 10 years later, Mercury released it and kind of did a commercial version <laughs> of this, but the fact is, is that's real honest. That was the sound then, and that... And I think it really stands up. Also got that percussive thing going on. How did you personally start to come into music production or music? I mean, you did a lot of label work. Also. A, lot of, a lot of label work. Um, for me, though, radio. 
was always what grabbed me. And then when I was in Ireland, I had a show also on the national radio station. Um, and it was a Sunday night show and they, we had connections with um, BBC and we would do things and I, you know, also got to meet John Peel and because I was doing a similar sort of open format, but of course John is, you know, a sacred word. Mm. <laughs> so I wouldn't compare what I was doing to what he achieved over the course of his lifetime, but it was fun to be able to play different types of music. This is, how did I get into music? Um, there was an obscure ad in the Melody Maker when I arrived in London, uh, Melody Maker being the then alternative to NME. Um, and in the back of it was something that said H.ARK, exclamation point, looking for musicians, and then a phone number. I was enough of a nerd to know that that band was ARK, who were actually the people behind Pump Up the Volume. Hmm. But this is them, and I still think this is one of the finest pieces of music they ever wrote. school in Florida, being thrown into the London music scene 
through some guys who actually made some pretty weird dub reggae indie rock, but it had a hit with a B-side, which was Pump Up the Volume. And they um, started introducing me to people at labels. Um, I was very sincere about music. And um, fortunately, I started building from there, so much so that it pretty much jeopardized my university career in London. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this record was something that Rudy from Arcane played me and he said, you need to hear Talk Talk. Spirit, so you 
important record in London at the time. And I guess we all know Talk Talk from It's My Life and various 80s pop hits. But I think the fact that they went and recorded the Spirit of Eden record was kind of a landmark. I know it upset their label. <laughs> Nervous breakdowns happened when they recorded it. But again, it's a very free record. And considering that bands like Spiritualize were coming up at the time, and also a band called Bark Psychosis and things like that, this was definitely landmark. In fact, the other day I was reading a recent copy of The Enemy and I saw a band that was 20 years old talking about this track. Mm -hmm. next oh that's let's see what's happening oh yes more mind-blowing music from the time first time i heard this was john peel playing this late at night I think I never listened to Bloody Valentine on headphones. It's, it's quite a music. special uh, experience. It is. And also, you're talking about Irishness or Ireland. I mean, my Bloody Valentine are a Dublin band. And, I mean, they're obviously they made their name in England. But to me, this is very Irish music. There's uh, intense sense of melody. And also, just a... Uh, again freedom and just an unhinged nature to the whole thing too i mean this is sound and experimentation and for me this kind of lineage also reflects dub yeah it's very connected mm. but then i never really uh, understood before that it was so close connected to this time and music scene in the uk because i just got it later during all my music digging years but not really in a context of for sure and it was it was a it was a fun time in a way to be in london because you know indie rock of course was so popular but what happened was is that you know the pubs closed early the gigs were over with and then people started going to raves afterwards and that's where all that started coming into focus um but of course you know 
that um, that's a different story. It's a lovely country, but it's also it's a conservative society too. So I think for my bloody Valentine to achieve what they achieved, they had to leave. Ah, one of my greatest loves, Krautrock and Noi. I think a lot of the music we were listening to before this, obviously, this is the blueprint.
awesome, awesome record. <laughs> it's so beautiful. I mean, obviously, Kraftwerk are wonderful as well, but I think what Neu achieved was really special. I'm also a La Dusseldorf fan as well, so... But all these records you knew from London back in the days in London? Some things... Actually, this one, my Krautrock experience was an Irish one. I had a friend who worked at Tower Records, and um, in Ireland I did... Um, I later went on to do stuff with a um, national radio station, but I started in Pirate because the radio wasn't really regulated there. And so there was lots of Pirish, Pirate radio stations. And that was a really exciting opportunity. Um, and around that time, Tower Records opened up in Dublin, which was big news. And I had a friend who worked there who used to get me records for my show. And he said to me, have you ever heard Noi? And I was like, heard of Noi, yeah. And he's like, and this is the track he played mm -hmm. me. I mean, there's so many wonderful tracks, but this is the one I always go back to. And there's that dinger beat. <laughs> really curious to ask you more about all this uh, how did you come into managing all these labels and all these projects but now maybe we just listen to more <laughs> <laughs> it started obviously I got some introductions to Rudy and ARK in London and then in Ireland with the whole pirate radio thing um, that sort of opened up but actually to tell you the truth where it really really started was um, you know I was I started buying records from Record Time in Detroit 
I knew someone told me, you know, because we mm-hmm. didn't have the internet back then. But you know, it was like somebody was like, okay, yeah, you, you know, there's this place in Detroit called Record Time. Actually, it was Fat Cat Records in London that told me about it. And so I contacted them and said that I did a radio show. And Dan Bell worked there. He was the export uh, guy at that point. And he said to me, um, "Hey, I got this great idea. Since I'm sending you records." Why don't I send you two and three copies of certain records, and you can see if certain if record shops in Ireland want to carry this stuff. So in a way, I guess I started distributing Detroit records in Ireland, and selling them to places like record shops. There was record shops like Comet, uh, Tower Records used to take them, and this was underground resistance stuff. But the irony was the one I was most attracted to, and and. And it, it's funny to say it, especially coming from Hardwax, because I work at Hardwax, and you know, we've, there's quite a heavy reputation there. But really, in the scheme of things back then, the basic channel records were really weird. And it was funny to hear like the Dan Bell talking about like all the Detroit stuff, like here's Underground Resistance or here's this, here's that, and it's like, oh, and we got these really weird records from these German guys. But I think you like them. And for me, this music just grabbed my heart. And this was definitely one, a Radiance um, was one I played on my radio show constantly. so well after Noi, doesn't it? Yeah, so back in the day, it was real fun to sort of be in this like, shack up in the Dublin mountains which is how pirate broadcasted broadcasting worked back then and playing records like this which you know kids were hearing on the airwaves and there was a phone line and they'd ring up and in an Irish way they'd be like what the fuck was that (laughs) (laughs) that's called basic channel (laughs) and this was another one that uh, definitely came through uh, Dan at record time this is also probably my favorite house music label ever this is prescription underground uh, label it's obviously Shay uh, damier and ron trent and this was called i feel the rhythm mm-hmm. 
waiting for that one. I was waiting for that moment. It's the vocal. sexy sound of Chicago. actually really funny back in the day um, in Dublin because uh, in Dublin nightclubs the majority of them you couldn't play music that was 4-4 they were really suspicious about anything that was based on a 4 because they thought it was like drug music so it's, it's drugs they're going to bring the wrong type of people in there was a couple of clubs that obviously didn't follow that policy um, but house music and techno music was very working class in Dublin that's who supported it you know, I think there were some like university kids or middle class kids who were kind of fascinated with it because they were reading about it in British publications. But it was a working class thing. And funnily enough, Dublin, I think, really developed a, a, a good techno scene. But I think the home of house music in Ireland is definitely Cork, which is the south. So, um, yeah. But you were DJing at the time or dancing? Yeah, I, a little bit of both, actually. A little bit of both. And with all those great records, it was something. So this is kind of a guilty pleasure track because, um, you know, within an hour, there's not a lot you can get into sometimes, but uh, I'm a huge dub fan. Um, obviously, with Mad Professor, I'd go back to the dub me crazy stuff. But also, I'm a Cocktail Twins fan. And Massive Attack certainly did play a big impact on my life uh, in, when I was in uh, London University. So this is the kind of perfect uh, Schnittstelle of all these things.
Jay, before the hour is over, how did you end up in Berlin? Um, I had... This is a funny story. I was through everything from like getting records from record time to distribute into shops uh, that developed into also me starting a label and I used some UK distributors and tried to make the record look like it had come from the States <laughs> because the idea of an Irish and it, uh, the record also had a Carl Craig track on it because I was in touch with a lot of people doing pirate radio and um, anyway that kind of led to getting more connections in England and lo and behold after a while in um, Ireland, I was asked to um, start label managing labels like Warp, Excel Recordings, Rift Trade through a company called PS, Played Against Sam. And I did that for years and absolutely loved it. Um, got to work with everybody from Aphex Twin to Sigur Rós, as it were. And there was a label that PS worked with called Domino Records. And in 2006, Domino called me and they knew I was coming to Berlin a lot just at the weekends, because I was uh, fascinated with a place called the Berghain that had opened recently. <laughs> I started coming, when did that open? 2003, 2004, that's when I discovered it. Um, and was really fascinated with it. Um, so I started making friends here in Berlin, and Domino Records had heard about that through some artists, uh, like I guess Turo Koko Rotz, which uh, Stefan Schneider and I have a project together um, called Hauntologist, but that's by the by. But anyway, Domino said, look, we'd like to open up a German office. And in Ireland, my interface was between the British and the English, because it was British record labels, Irish people, which is not always an easy interface mm -hmm. culturally. So they made the joke. They said, if you can get the Irish and the Brits talking, maybe you can get the Germans and the Brits talking. So. Also not the easiest. <laughs> I, well, my wife is a German, so obviously I've got a, a great affinity with the culture. But yeah, I came over and that was it. Berlin. So I, I did that um, for a couple of years, enjoyed it. And um, then after a while, I was working on my own music. I had a close relationship with Hardwax, who always distributed it. And then one day I had the great pleasure of Mark Anestis asking me if I wanted to join the team there. So that's the circle. Started with the basic channel uh, extra copies in Ireland. Exactly. Considering that one of my favorite records was a basic channel record. Uh, yeah. And also I was a loyal Hardwax customer for years. I mean, they were sending packages over to Ireland and the guys there. So I've known them a good long time. But um, Mark wanted to start as a courtesy to customers, start offering digital downloads alongside some of the vinyl. So he asked if I could come in in that capacity. Thank you. 
Apparently, that's the best-selling dub record of all time. Um, no protection. I guess. <laughs> uh, you can imagine why. I guess also to say, in terms of like landmark records or records that I thought were game changers, um, I kind of always followed La Funk Mob um, and what was going on in Paris, like with Fnac and what Laurent Garnier was doing. I mean, they're different scenes, but I remember when the I Say Motor Bass record came out um, at a time when I think in the 90s music had gotten a little boring at one point, and this one came out and changed the game. One of my desert island discs, Pan Soul by Motor Bass. last song. <laughs> Thanks very much. I like it when hip-hop producers start making house music. There's something different. I think you can also hear that, like, I mean, Theo Parrish obviously is using MP60s. Well, you can you can hear it, I think, when people come from. These guys are using, like, SP1200s and things. Yeah, it's just a fantastic track. And I love the breakdown where they manage to, like, bring a train sound through the whole thing, which you will hear later. Ah. 
has a pretty cool effect going on there. They've actually mic'd a spray can. So you can hear the, the ball and spray can going. And it's pretty of the culture. spraying graffiti by the trains in Paris or something. Jay, thank you very much for coming. Thank you for And having me, Andy. It was again a very short hour. We should extend this... Uh, von wegen show to three or four hours. We could play <laughs> more noise tracks. Not laughing. <laughs> ähm, danke fürs Zuhören und ich hoffe, ihr hört nächsten Monat wieder zu. Das war von wegen auf Berlin FM diesen Monat mit Jay. Dankeschön. Und Ali Teichmann. <lacht> Tschüss. Hm. Ah.